With Hashem's assistance, we are learning Gittin Daf Mem Dalet, page 44. We begin at the top, Tana Rabbana, the two dots. We learned in Abraisa, Let's say this non-Jew who had, he came along and he said, I want to collect my money, and the, guy, the Jew says, I don't have any money, and he took his slave. And the second case is a case where you have some kind of non-Jew who comes along and he says, I'm going to kill you. And the Jew says, don't kill me, don't kill me, take my slave. So those are the two cases. In both of those cases, since it was done against his will, meaning he hadn't designated that this slave should be the place that it should be collected from, therefore he doesn't go out free. The tree doesn't go out free. I'll ask you a steer, a contradiction. If let's say the king's the, the king's men, they came to collect taxes and they came to you and you didn't have any money to pay. So what did you do? What did they do? They took out your wheat. If it was in place of some money that you owed, so you still have to take off miser even on that which they took off. Meaning they took away something since you benefited from it. So therefore, meaning because you would have had to pay taxes from your out of your pocket. So therefore you still have to take off the tithes from that which they took in Bamparis, but if they took it unlawfully, Potter, then indeed you don't have to take off any kind of meister because this is something that was complete onus. Potter mila asu, you don't have to take off the tithes. So the Gemara says, so what do we see? We see over there that in fact, when, you, when you're using it to pay off something that you owe, you're getting a benefit from it, so then it's considered that uh, it was rightfully taken. So why does the slave not go out free? So the Gemara says, Shani hasam the kamishtar It's different over there because you're having some kind of benefit from it. However, Rashi explains in regards to a slave, so what's the reason why normally we say that he goes out free when you sold him? It's because of a knas, it's a fine. So in this case, you didn't intentionally go and sell your slave, but it was taken away from you. True that you did benefit from it, but it wasn't done intentionally. And therefore, we don't create a fine in that case. Now the Gemara says, Toshima, come in here. The Amarav, Rav said, Let's you sell your slave to some guy who comes along and he says that he wants to, he creates some kind of reason why you owe him money. And you give it over and you say to him, instead of, instead of, instead of trying to get money out of me here, the money that you want, you want to get out of me, give me that money, so to speak, and take my slave instead. So the firing of to some kind of non-Jewish guy who wants to take away your money. So in that case, he goes out free, even though you haven't received any money. So, so there you see again that someone is coming along, and nevertheless he's going out free. So why is it that he's going out free if, if we just said that indeed he doesn't go out free? Mar says, no, there you should have done something. You should have tried to appease him and to convince him that, no, you shouldn't take it. You shouldn't take your slave. You shouldn't take your money. And you didn't do that, so therefore the slave goes out free. Gufa. Let's go back to this thing that we just said. Amarav Rav says, Someone who, so to speak, sells his slave, meaning he gives it over to some guy, this non-Jewish guy who claims that he owes him money, he goes out free. My The question is, what should he have to do? What should he do? So in this in this version, so we say the thing that he should have done, like we said, was to appease him, and he didn't appease him. But Rabbi Yirmiyah, Rabbi Yirmiyah asked the following question: Let's say when he sold him to a non-Jew for thirty days, what would be the halacha? Is it considered that you sold him? He didn't sell him completely. He's going to be able to come back. True, during that time he won't be able to do mitzvahs. Nevertheless, he will be able to come back. Let's bring a proof to Amarav, because Rav says he goes out free. And usually those cases, Rashi explains, is a case where it's going to work for the king, and usually comes back from work, work for the king after a short period of time. So that would be a good proof to the fact that you cannot indeed do it, and if you did it, he does indeed go out free. So the Gemara answers, Now that's talking about a case where he's not going to come back afterwards, therefore it's not a good proof. Now the Gemara asks another question. What if I sell him and I say, you can't, you can't use him for his work. I sell, you're selling the slave just for anything except for his work. Meaning he's going to be able to do, he's going to be able to do mitzvahs. What if he says to the to the non-Jew, I'm selling you, but you can't stop him from doing the commandments? You can't stop him on Shabbos and Yantav from keeping the festivals. What's the halacha? The ger toishov, 
Yisrael Momer Mahu. Let's say you sold him to a, a non-Jew who lives in Eretz Yisrael, lives in the land of Israel, and he's accepted upon himself the seven the seven mitzvahs, seven Noahide laws, or the uh, or he's accepted upon himself that he's not going to worship Avodah Zarah. Or you have a Jew who is not religious anymore. Is that considered that you sold him out of Judaism or out of the ability to do the commandments? Lekusimah, what if you sold him to a Kutite? Pshoimiyachados. So the Gemara says you can only answer one of these questions. Ger Taishov, in a case where you sold him to a non-Jew who has accepted upon himself not to worship idolatry, Harehu ka'avik ha'chavim. It's considered that you sold him to a non-Jew. So therefore, why? Because he's not going to be able to do the mitzvah. He's not going to properly keep the commandments. Kusiv Yisrael Mumer, some kind of kuthite or a, regu- uh, a Jew who went off the path and doesn't keep the commandments anymore. Amri lakavikachav, amri lakav Yisrael. Those who say that it's considered like you sold them to a Jew, and those who say that it's, no, it's considered like you sold them to a non-Jew. That's the following question from Rabbi Ami. Let's say he had some kind of slave who gave himself over to be captured. And the master, for some reason, does not have the ability to get him out of of this capture, not through a Jewish court, not through a non-Jewish court. What about the fact, does he have the ability, does he have the right, and can he, will the rabbis per- permit him to go and get the money? Meaning the people who cap- captured him are willing to pay to pay the master, the previous owner. But it's considered maybe it's considered that it's like exactly like selling it to a non-Jew. Is that a problem or not? Go and look into your sugis, into the different things that you've learned. Maybe you can find the answer. And he was medayik, he looked into it, and he found the following answer to Tanya, that we have a b'raisa. Someone who sells a house to a non-Jew, so we're talking about an Eretz Yisrael, the land of Israel. So the, the law is that you're not allowed to sell to a non-Jew a piece of land in Israel. So he just sold this house to a non-Jew, so you're not allowed to have any benefit from the money. However, if let's say a non-Jew went and he stole somebody's house, a Jewish person's house, and this Jew who lost his house doesn't have the ability to, to get back his house, not through a Jewish court, not through a non-Jewish court. He's allowed to actually take the money, even though it's forbidden to sell it to a non-Jew, can still get the money if the non-Jew forced him. And you can you write it up and you bring it to their courts. And the reason that you're allowed to do this is because it's considered like you're saving the money from their hands. Why should this non-Jew have the money? You're allowed to save the money. You're allowed to get this money because the non-Jew is going to use it for who knows what, the money. And you're going to use it for, for mitzvahs, for good, to keep Jews alive, whatever it is. So therefore you're allowed to get the money. So that's a good proof. That should be a good proof that, in fact, it would be the same thing in regards to a slave. If the, if he forced you and he gave you and he took your slave, or the slave ran away, so you'd be able to get the money. Vidoma hanimili bias. So it's not a good proof because maybe that's only in regards to a house. They came to loisagi le but like bias. Since a person, a regular person, he can't live without a house. We're not afraid that if we allow him to take the money, that someday he might end up end up uh, actually selling it. Meaning, if a person needs his house, he doesn't usually sell his house. It's something that a person doesn't usually sell. And therefore, we don't have to be afraid that at some point he might do it if we allow him to get the money. In regard to a slave, you don't really need your slave. So, if we allow him to collect the money from this case where the slave went and he ran away, so so we're afraid that in another case you're going to sell your slave once you see, oh, wow, it's nice to get money for a slave. So we're afraid you're going to do that because a slave is not something that you per se always need. And the Gemara says, Oiloi, so do we say it that way? Do we say that you can't compare it to a house? Or we say, no, you can for some reason compare it to a house. Shalach lohu, so he responded and said like this, Shalach lohu, Rabbi Ami, Mini Ami Barnasen, Taira Yaitzel Akal Yisrael. He says, for me, Ami Barnasen, that was his name, so the, the law comes out to all the people of Israel. Evet Shehipel Atzman Legaisus, 
a slave that threw himself to the dog, so to speak, he allowed himself to be captured. And the master cannot go and free him, not through any kind of uh, court case in a Jewish court or non-Jewish court. He's allowed to take the money because and they they write it up in a court of a non-Jewish court. Because it's like you're saving the money from their hands, just like we say. In other words, Rabbi Ami was saying, just like we say by house, that indeed you're allowed to save the money. So so too over here we say that you're allowed to save the money, so to speak, and we're not afraid that one day you're going to come along and you're going to actually sell your slave. Amri B'shum and Levi. B'shum and Levi says like this: Someone who sells his slave to a non-Jew, so we give you a knas, we fine you, and we force you to go and redeem that slave from captivity, even up to a hundred times his value. If that's that's if that's all that the the non-Jew is going to be able to accept. So the Gemara says, Dafka Dafka. Do you really have to do it up to a hundred times his value? Does that mean specifically that or not? Maybe it means it's just an exaggeration, but it's saying oh, you have to pay a lot in order to redeem him. Tashama, so we bring a proof. said, Someone who sells a fat animal, so, you know, like a cow, so he sells such an animal to a non-Jew. So, so the halacha is, the law is that you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to sell such an animal to a non-Jew. So, so we, what we do is we, we give him a fine and we make him redeem, so to speak, get back that cow and pay up to 10 times the value of the cow. So there we see, says Rashi, that it's only 10, it's not 100, it's the same type of deal. So when we say 100, it doesn't really mean 100, but it means a lot. The Gemara says, wait, maybe it's different in regards to a slave. Maybe in regards to a slave, you have to really go all out. You really have to do up to 100 times. Because uh, every single moment that he's, not, that he's underneath this non-Jew, so he's not going to be able to do any of the commandments. So therefore, it's not a good connection. In this version, so he says, you sell your, your slave to a non-Jew, so we fine you up to 10 times the value of the slave that you have to go and redeem him. Up to that 10 times. So in this version also, we ask, does it mean specifically 10 or not? Tashamah, we bring a proof, because Rish Lakish said in this version, he said a little bit differently, someone who sells a cow, let's say, to a non-Jew, so here, his version was that you give a fine up to 100, times the value. So here again we see that you have to go all out. It doesn't mean only 10. It means up to 100. You have to go all out. Shani Eved, Delay Hadar. So the Gemara says it's not a good proof because an Eved, a slave, you don't. Have, we're not going to make you have to pay so much. We're not going to make you pay up to 100 times because since you're not going to get him back, so you're not going to be so interested in doing it. Delay Hadar, because it doesn't go back to him. But in regards to an animal, so it does go back to him. So therefore he'll pay more. So Noah says, wait. What's the reason by an animal because it will say you're going to have to pay up to 100 times because it's going to go back to you. You're going to be willing to pay it. Why are we making him do up to 100 times? That's crazy. Just do maybe one more, maybe maybe 10 instead of 10. Like by a slave, you do 11. So the Gemara says no. So the explanation, the difference is that a slave is something that's uncommon. So they're not going to say that they're going to have to pay up to 100 times. They're not going to say such a thing. The rabbis didn't make such a decree. However, in regards to an animal, it's more common for a Jew to sell a cow to a non-Jew, which is not permitted. So therefore they set a tremendous fine to, to, to make a real deterrence. Rabbi Yirmiyah asked the following question from Rabbi Yassi. Let's say he sold his slave, and then the guy who sold him died. He sold him to a non-Jew. Do we say that the child gets fined as well? If it would be true that the following case, that if you have a Bechor, which is the firstborn of some kind of animal, 
So you have to bring it as a korban in the base of English, you have to bring it as a sacrifice. So what did this guy do? He doesn't want to have to bring the korban. He wants to be able to use it. So he makes some kind of blemish on the ear. So it can't be brought as a sacrifice, but it could still be used for food or something else. So what's the halacha? The halacha is kansu b'nei acharav. In that case, so just like there's a fine for him, there's a fine for the child as well. So mishim di'isur, the oraisahi. So maybe that's because some he has gone and transgressed a Torah prohibition. Aval hacha, but in our case, he's the rabbanon. All it is is some kind of prohibition by the rabbis. So maybe, in fact, it would be totally different, and therefore we wouldn't go and find the child. We turn to Memdalar on base page forty two forty four B. I'm sorry. And if you want to say, we could maybe prove it from a different case. Let's say a person. So the halacha is law is that a person is not allowed to do any kind of malacha, any kind of work during chalamoid on the intermediate intermediary days of Pesach and Sukkot, you're not to do any kind of work that you could have done before. Let's say you left it over to the point where during Sukkot, if you don't do it, it's going, you're going to lose money. But you specifically set it up so that you would have to do it on Sukkot. I mean, you could have done it before, but you left it until now. And if you don't do it now, you're going to lose money. So there's a knas, there's a fine, we don't let you do it. Let's say he died, umeis, loy kansu b'nei So in that case, we do not say that the child has a fine, and the child indeed can do that work. So maybe that's because he hasn't, the son hasn't done anything wrong. Hachamai, so we'll be over here. Maybe over here we would say that indeed he has done something wrong. He himself, the rabbis created some kind of fun for him. He's not around anymore. Or perhaps the, the actual fun was upon his money. The rabbis. And the money is still around. So he responded, we have it in a brisa or a mishnah. If, if you have some kind of field that you took out all of the thorns and the thistles, and it's during Shemitah, it's the Shemitah year, so you're not allowed to do that, but it's only midirabun from the rabbis. From the Torah, if you did it, it's not a problem. So, So if a person works his field during Shemitah, so normally we say that he's not allowed to work it after Shemitah, after Shemitah. But in this case, we say that it's not a problem. He can indeed work his field at, right after Shemitah, despite the fact that he did something which was rabbinically prohibited. We don't make any kind of fine for him. Nitaiva oinidaira. However, if he did these two different things, which are both some kind of processing of the ground where he brought in the fertilizer and he put it on the ground, so we say that he can't, since he has processed the ground during Shemitah, so after Shemitah we can't him, we give him a fine, we say that he can't use it. Let's say he went and he did this fertilization and then he died. So the child is indeed allowed to go, and despite the fact that he's done something rabbinically prohibited, the son is still allowed to go and uh, work the field right after Shemitah. So what do we? What can we deduce? Kansu. So they only made this fine upon the person himself, Rabbanon. The rabbis made this fine. However, for the son, so the rabbis did not require that there be a fine. So therefore, we would say the same thing over here in regards to the slave, where he's where he's going over, he's he is transgressing a rabbinic prohibition. Amar Abaye, Abaye said, Naktinon, we can take on If let's say somebody went and he made the taharis things that are supposed to be kept tahor, they're supposed to be kept pure, and now Reuven goes and he ruins Shimon's things that are supposed to remain pure, and he makes them tamei impure. 
And then, they, so the halacha is that he still has to pay, because we have a kanas, we have a fine. However, if he dies, so the rabbis didn't say that the child after him has to pay the fine. My time, what's the reason? If you do some kind of damage that you can't see, it's not clear, you don't, you don't know that it's impure, it looks, for all intents and purposes, it looks exactly the same as everything else, as pure fruits. Nevertheless, if it's something that you can't see, it's not considered a full-fledged damage, so it's a it's a fine from the rabbis. Only to him did they create the fine. The bray the but the rabbis did not say that the child has to actually pay the fine as well. We said in the Mishnah that if he goes out, if he's sold out to outside of Israel, so he also goes out free. We learned that Somebody who sells his slave to outside of Israel, he goes out free. He needs some kind of document to free him. May Rabbi Shani from the second master. There are times when he goes out free and there are times he doesn't go out free. Kate said, what's the case? If he says, my so-and-so, my slave, that I sent him to a certain guy, an Antuchi guy, it's a guy who's originally, it's a, call him a Belgian, whatever it is, somebody who's from outside of Israel. So he hasn't gone out free. But he says to the Antuchi who's in this place, that indeed he goes out free because in the first case, so he's, this guy, this Belgian, we'll call him, lives in Israel. But uh, if the Belgian lives in Belgium, so then he goes out free, he sold him out of Israel. Now the Gemara asks, we have a Brisa, not that way, that if you sell him just to a Belgian, so then he doesn't go out free, even though that Belgian may not per se be in Belgium. So, Lantuchi Ashari Balud, however, if the guy we know for sure that he lives inside of Israel, then Layatza, then he doesn't go out free. So the problem is that we have two different. If let's say you didn't, you don't know where he is, and the guy didn't say where the guy is, where this Belgian is. So in the first version, so we assume that he's in Israel. In the second version, we assume that he's not in Israel. So what's going on? Does he go out free or not? What's the what's the halacha? So the Gemara answers like It depends. If he has a permanent home in Israel, then we can assume that this Belgian is there. However, if he just has a you know a vacation home in Israel, so then we we can't assume that he's in his voc- vacation home. We're going to stay in his vacation home. And therefore, if you sell it to, to this Belgian guy, so he's going to go out free the slaves. Consider that you sold him outside of Israel. Boy, Rabbi Yirmiya asked the following question. Ben Let's say you have a Babylonian who married an Israeli woman. And then what happened? So she brings into the marriage these slaves and these maidservants. And he's planning to go back to Babylonia. Mahu. What's the halach? Is it, is it considered like a sale and therefore they're going to go out free? So we can ask this question whether according to the one who says that the halach is like, goes along, meaning it's to his benefit, to the man's benefit, or whether like the one who says that the halach is uh, according to her benefit. We'll see what that means. Rashi explains that what it means is like this. There's a Gemara in Yavamas and Nafsamach Vavam Bebez that says you have a case where a guy is divorcing his wife. So now there were certain things that she brought into the marriage. And she says, I want the original things that I gave you. And he says, no, I want to give you just the value of those things. So according to the one who says the din is with him, the halach is like him, so then he gets to just give her the value and she can't have her original things back. Whereas according to the one who says the din is with, with her, so she gets the, thing, the original thing that she gave.
So now let's continue in the Gemara. We'll see how this plays out. We can ask the question according to the one who says that indeed she gets back the original object. Since she gets back the original object, it's considered hers, and therefore she, he never actually went and bought this thing from her. And therefore, and therefore the slave hasn't gone out free, so he doesn't, that the slave hasn't been sold, so to speak, and therefore he doesn't go out free. Or perhaps, maybe since the fact is that he does have, the, there's an obligation that the slave is going to give over anything that he produces to the, to the husband, maybe Maybe therefore it's considered his, and therefore it's considered sold, and therefore it goes out free. We can also ask it according to the one who says that in fact he, he does not have to give her back the original things that he got. Since he doesn't give back the original things, so therefore it's considered like it's his. It's transferred into his possession, therefore he's considered sold, therefore he should go out free the slave. Perhaps, since he hasn't actually acquired the body of the slave, because as long as as long as long they're married, so all he gets is the fruits, the prod, the produce, whatever he produces. But the the body, so to speak, of the slave still belongs to her. So therefore it's considered hers, and it's not considered that he's sold, and he doesn't go out free. Take we are left without an answer. I'm Rabbi Avo. Rabbi Avo said like this. Shanali Rabbi Yechanan. Rabbi Yechanan taught me as follows. If you have a slave who goes out after his master to Surya, meaning he went of his own accord, and their master went and he sold him there, Rabbi, the master, so the slave goes out free. The more asks, we learned in the Brisa, learned, then in fact, no, he lost his merit, meaning the slave doesn't go out free because since he followed him. Like the Gemara says, it's not a problem. It depends what the intent of the master is. If the, the master intends to go back, so then when he sold him, it's like he's selling him from Israel to outside of Israel. But if the master does not intend to go back, then when he sold him, it's considered like he's selling him inside of, he's, he's already outside of Israel, so it's, it's not a problem that the slave does not go out free. We have a brisa that implies this thing. So this brisa seems to be saying that a slave must go out with his master to Syria. The fact that we're saying that he must go out, he, can't, he has no choice, he must go. But now we learned in the Mishnah, you can't force him to go out. You can't force him to go out of Israel where he has more mitzvahs. So rather what the Bryson means is, if the slave went out after his master to Syria, to Syria, and then he went and he sold him there, if he has the intention to go back to Israel, so then we force him to free his, his slave. Because it's considered like he sold him from Israel to outside of Israel. But if the master does not intend to return to Israel, so then we do not force him to free this slave. Amar of Anin, Rav Anin says, I heard two things from Marshmuel. One is this, and the other thing is, was the following, the Idmar that we learned in the memory. Someone who sells his field during the year of the Jubilee year, Atzman, the year itself. So the halach is that before the Jubilee year, if you sell it, it goes back to the original owner. What if you actually sold it in the Jubilee year? Rav Amar Mechura Vyaitza. It's considered sold, and then it goes back to the original owner, meaning the guy lost his money. Shmuel Amar, Eino Mechura Kol Iker. Shmuel says, no, it's not considered sold at all. Bechada Hadri Zvini. So in one of them he says that the 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 me, it's a mekachtos, it's a mistaken sale, and therefore the the money goes back. Bechada Hadri Zvini. And in one of them he says that the 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 sale does not go back. I'm not sure which one it is because even in the case of the field, so it could be that he says that it's not considered so sold. It is sold, and the money in fact does go back. However, the question is if you can be makne something, if you can acquire something else along with this field, is it considered a proper sale or not? 
So now the question is, which one does he say that it, indeed the money, it's not considered a proper sale at all and the money goes back? So the Gemara says like this, from the fact that we said in the Brisa, if someone sells his slave to Azad of Israel, he goes out free with get shukhri, needs some kind of document, from his second master, so we can deduce from here, the second master did indeed acquire him, and therefore he, that's why he has to free him. And in fact, it's not a mekach it's not a mistaken sale, it doesn't go back. When does Shmuel say that the money doesn't go, go back? It's talking about the case of the field. Now, the Gemara continues on page 45a. So, Rav Anan, why did he ask the question in the first, lay, first place? He hadn't heard that price, he didn't know it. And if you want to come and prove it from the words of Shmuel himself, from the fact that he says that it's not a good sale, from the fact that the money goes back, maybe that, that why don't you prove it from that itself? The Shmuel, Shmuel himself says by the field the money goes back. Clearly, it's not a good sale. The Lord says it's not a good proof. Maybe it's not a good sale. However, the money still doesn't come back because since everybody knows that uh, you can't sell something during the Jubilee year, therefore the money is considered a, it's a present the guy's giving to him. Just like somebody who goes and tries to marry his sister, so everyone knows you can't marry your sister, so what happens to that money? So the money goes to the sister. The Itmar, as we learned in a memory, someone who goes and marries his sister, Rav says the, the money goes back. Shmuel says no, the money is a, is a gift. So therefore, since we could have said that, that's why we have to come and tell you that this that Shmuel said is talking about the money's going back because it's a mekkah tos, it's a mistaken sale. Why is it that we give a knas that we find the guy who's buying it? Why, is the, why does that guy have to lose the money? Why don't we say that the one who's selling it should lose the money? The, the mouse is not the one who's stealing it, but rather the hole where the mouse goes into is the one that's stealing it, meaning wherever it's found, wherever the stolen object is found, that's the, the, the person who was the one who bought it, or he was the one who gave the, the whole thing wouldn't have started if not for the fact that he bought it. Wait, if the person wasn't selling it, the, the mouse in this case, if he, the mouse didn't bring it into the hole, then the hole wouldn't have it, meaning the person who's selling it, if he wouldn't give it over to the person who's buying it, so he's also just as much his fault. So Gemara says, The Gemara answers that it makes sense that where the actual thing, the object of prohibition is found, which is by the person who just bought it, that's the place where we make a fine.